Alrighty, that was Sound and Vision by David Bowie, Rock With You by Michael Jackson, Disorder by Joy Division. You're listening to 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card. This is Retrospection Radio Hour. I'm Noah. And I am Nate, as usual. As usual. (laughs) Um, Well, today we are going to be... Finishing off the 1970s, start with 1975 and going up. We're on the air a little bit early today because I had some stuff come up that uh, requires my attention a little bit later in the afternoon. So Important business to attend to. Important business to attend to. So, uh, do you remember how we finished off 1974? Oh, I don't know. I think the last thing I remember talking about was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> uh not quite. So with 1974 we had the very very wonderful president of the United States at the time. Oh, he stepped down. Huh? That's right. He resigned at the end of 1974. Um so we start off 1975 with the new president. Woo, who immediately pardons <laughs> Richard Nixon. That's not sketchy. Ooh. Oh, man. 1975. What a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Okay, January 1st, 1975. The Watergate cover-up trials of Mitchell Haldeman and Ehrlichman, I think I said that one wrong, are completed. And all are found guilty of the charges. Oh. <laughs> Hence why uh, Mr. President resigned and got pardoned. <laughs> I guess he was a crook. I'm a crook. Uh, January I lied 6th, to you all. <laughs> 1975, the television show Wheel of Fortune premieres. Yay. Also in 1975, we have Pink Floyd's fabled... Follow-up to Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here. Light Side of the Sun. Oh, yeah. You got Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. At this point, they were just like, we're famous now. We're Pink Floyd, and everybody knows who we are now. Now we know that the music industry is kind of real screwed up, so we're going to make an album about it. (laughs) This is a really good album, too. Let me tell you, musicians just... They have something that they don't like happen, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to make an entire album about it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, it's Flo- just the 60s in a nutshell. Oh, the Floyd did a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, I, I keep forgetting. What's the thing? 1969, December. Oh, Altamont? Altamont, thank you. Yeah. The Altamont albums that have all been made and... Just all the songs of Vietnam it. and just a- think, anything that musicians didn't like. I think they mention Altima in uh, what's that song that's about like kind of like the fifties and sixties? Oh, by what's it called? The day the music died or bye bye Miss American Pie or whatever. Oh, American Pie. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Uh, oops, that's the movie. That, yeah, I mean... American Pie lyrics. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Don McLean. I think it was the part where it's like, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, but Jack Flash sat on a candlestick or something like that. 
So come on, Jack, be nimble, Jack, be quick, Jack, flash that on a candlestick, because fire is the devil's only friend. Yeah, that's it. Uh, as the flames climbed high into the night to light the sacrificial rite, I saw Satan laughing with delight the day the music died. Um, that's pretty much that pretty much describes it. That's Altamont right there. <laughs> that's that's pretty much anything when it comes to. Like, even the early 70s with Jimi Hendrix and all those people uh, kicking the can. Oh, yeah. So, 1975, Jaws. Jaws, it, the first summer blockbuster. That's right. It basically, it is the landmark of uh, Steven Spielberg's career. That is what put him on the map. How old is he at this point? I don't know. I feel didn't like he's he just been make a didn't he just make a movie of West Side Story? Yeah. I can't believe he's still making movies. I didn't I thought he retired. He is 74 years old, born in 1946. He's kicking. He's still going. Yeah, he's he's oh boy. Um, let me look at his movies. Yes, he did just release that West Side Story. Let's see what else he had. I haven't seen it. I just I just knew that it was... I saw trailers for it. I will not be seeing West Side Story. That is one of my least favorite musicals of all time. It's just... I can't say. I haven't heard anything from it. I, literally, you want to know the full extent of what I know about West Side Story? What? Is it somewhere in there, someone goes, Maria! <laughs> That's it. That's all I know. And also the, the snapping, you know, like the... Oh, yeah. Na, 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 na. Cool boy snapping. Yeah, the snapping. That's how gang fights happen. Yeah. It's just snapping your fingers. Yeah. So, Steven Spielberg, um, since we're on the subject of him, uh, here's some of the famous things he's done Jaws, 1975. E.T., Jurassic Park, <clears throat> Ready Player One, <clears throat> forgettable. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and just the Indiana Jones series. Uh, Back to the Future. That's a good one. I thought that's I'd probably say that's one of my favorites. Back to the Future by him. I like Back to the Future. War of the Worlds. Uh, he did Minority Reports. I don't know if anyone knows that one. It's basically a uh, dystopian world where. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? Yeah. You know, I haven't seen that movie, but when I was in sound engineering school, we had to do sound for picture, like Foley and stuff. And one of the things we had to do was like the fight scene and the. In like a factory or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to like dump all the punches and like record them and stuff like that. I was, I think I was Tom Cruise. Like I had nice. to do his grunts. And, <laughs> and, uh, and my friend Evan, he was, oh, who was he? Who's the other guy? He was Colin Farrell. <laughs> Minority Report is that's a, the only a good part, one. That's the only part I've seen for that movie. I watched that scene like a million times because we had to like Colin Farrell. We had to put Danny Whitwer. We had to put the sound over it and like mix the sound and stuff like that. Well, so the story is basically uh, crime has been eradicated because of like predetermination or something like that where basically they can like read your mind or something like that exactly so they know before you commit the crime and they're right like 95 or something percent of the time and then all of a sudden tom cruise's character shows up and he's been working for the bureau for years and then the ai says he's going to be the next one to commit a crime and he's like no. Wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I wasn't. I, how do you know? I wasn't going to. So the entire movie is 
him trying not to be arrested for a crime he may never commit. And, and Colin Farrell's chasing after him. Yes. Good old Colin Farrell. Ugh, what a! I enjoyed the movie. It kind of got eh, reviews like between seventy to eighty percent, but I generally enjoyed it. I think it's worth a watch. Um, but the fight scene was pretty good. It it was it was entertaining. I, I will say with Spielberg's movies, really, it's not high on the list. I mean, you've got the Indiana Jones series, Poltergeist, Gremlins, Transformers series, or sorry, just first two Transformers, Roger Rabbit, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. And that's another one that's really good is Roger Rabbit. Yes. That's always been one of my favorites. It's just all of... All of his other stuff he's put out is pretty much better than Minority Report, but I enjoy it a lot. Um, Goonies, Adventures of Tintin, that exists. <laughs> Saving yeah. Private Ryan, that's another good one. Really, honestly, just Google them and look up. He's got a pretty good track movies. record. Him and there's a lot of guys like that, even like Peter Jackson and stuff. Yeah, they. They tend to have pretty good movies. Occasionally, but things Peter will Jacks, flop. Peter Jackson's like early movies are like really like nuts. <laughs> I think there's, I think he, I think it was him that made it. No, it was. Yeah, it was called like Brain Dead or like Dead Alive. It goes by one of those two titles. Depends oh. on what country it's from, but it's basically just like, it's like a like a zombie like rat monkey. Yeah, Dead Alive. That like bites somebody and then like basically just all all hell breaks loose and there's just a lot of blood it's like it's honestly the most like blood i've ever seen in a movie like it's not even like gory and like hard to watch it's like comical <laughs> there's just so much blood but so, it's, it's really funny very very interesting things of course he's done king kong uh many times did you see the new one he made the beatles one the Beatles? He did one of the... So, when um, when the Beatles were making their album Let It Be, they... It wasn't the last... It's the last album that they released, but it wasn't the last album they made. The last album they made was Abbey Road. But, um... So they were recording this album, and this guy, I think his name was Michael Lindsay Hogg, was like, hey, I want to do, like, a TV special or a movie or something, and I want to film you guys basically, like, writing an album and recording it from scratch and maybe doing a concert at the end. And they filmed it all. There's like 60 hours of footage and like 150 hours of audio that they recorded. And it's basically, you know, it's like, like you know, they write like Get Back and like Let It Be and stuff like that. And they were going to make a movie of it, but they didn't really do anything of it. They did release a movie, but it was kind of like they just kind of made the movie so that it was like, oh, this is a very like tense this is the end of the Beatles and it's really sad and like really awkward and like whatever. And everybody thought that, but then like this documentary, it's kind of, it's like six hours. There's like three parts and they're like, they're each like two hours long. I think one of them is like almost three hours, but they're, it's really good because like, there's not like, it's not one of those documentaries where they just show the footage and there's people like, as you can see, the Beatles are blah, blah, blah. It's just like, (laughs) it's just the footage like just straight up just speaking for itself and it's like all cleaned up and stuff like that it's really fascinating because you get to see them like write all these songs and like they're trying to figure out what the lyrics are of the songs and you're just like come on 
it's this lyric. You almost got it. <laughs> you know it. You know the lyric. Like there's one part of the writing, get back, and he's like, what is it? He's like, he's trying to figure out like the line, like the opening lines. I'm like, come on. It's like they're getting like slowly like closer and closer. And I'm just getting so frustrated. I'm like, come on. It's like, you got it, man. What was it called? It's called Get Back. But I, I finished watching it last night and it was like, it was really good. I was, I was nerding out. Cause like when I was like 14 and stuff like that, I was really into the Beatles and it was just this whole thing. And I listened to a lot of like bootlegs and stuff and outtakes, a lot of which were from those like sessions and I got to see them instead of just hear them. I got to see the, the footage of it. And I was like, what? It was nuts. It's kind of like some some parts of it. It's kind. It's like it does get it kind of it does drag a little bit, and also some parts of it are really awkward too. Like especially in the first part, because it's like they're just in this giant cavernous like TV soundstage, movie soundstage, and they're just like they don't really know what they're doing, and there's just cameras like literally all around them, <laughs> and like they're kind of like arguing. It's like really like it's kind of tense at first, but then it like they loosen up. And it, it gets really good. I'm uh I'm looking at pictures of that opening scene, and it really does look just kind of awkward. Yeah, everyone the, just sitting around. It's like, and they're like playing like, and it's they're playing like old songs that they wrote when they were like teenagers that they drag out. And I'm like, this is cool, man. They're playing like other songs, and they're talking about like, there's even, and they're just kind of talking about like other musicians stuff like that there's one part where like george harrison's talking about like eric clapton or something like that they get like they get billy preston in there too because he plays on that album but it's good it's really long but it's good (laughs) but i like long (laughs) the last the last long movie i watched was batman v or not batman v superman the justice league was that good no the the this is the, the original the Zack wasn't Snyder good and the one. remake wasn't good. <laughs> I can't, you know, I'm not surprised by that. No, I've I've watched Zack Snyder movies before. They are really hit or miss. Uh, I think the only one I might that I like consciously remember seeing is probably Watchmen, and that one's pretty good. Watchmen's pretty good. The uh, ending is very changed for, oh, yeah. from the comic, and you know they it, have it, the giant space squid or whatever yeah and they just put in like nuclear bombs instead so it's pretty good the issue is with his stuff it's generally so faithful to the source material that when he decides to create like take artistic liberty it's like really it's weird it's like like, yeah the the movie is so accurate until the end where it's not accurate at all and you're like what I mean, what, what's the point? <laughs> I feel like something like a giant, just like squid, just appearing in the world, in the world of that movie, seems kind of like. I don't think that because there's some stuff like in books and like comic books even that just don't really translate well to screen. Like it's kind of like how The Shining is so different in the book than it is in the movie. Yeah, because well, like there's a lot of things in the book that like. 
that's the weird thing with Stephen King's that in his books there's a lot of cool stuff like in his books, but it it, it doesn't like, transfer well to film. No, it doesn't because at the beginning when they're driving up to the hotel in a in the book, I guess like the music they're listening to on the radio is Bad Moon Rising by like CCR. <laughs> it's like wow, like how like like I love you, Steve, but come on, not great. That's that's pretty <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> so the alien squids from Watchmen. Um, are genetically engineered by the antagonist. So, I mean, it, it works with nuclear bombs, too, because the whole point is, like, human- or humanity has to be destroyed for them to unite against a threat for us to stop being, like, divided as a world and as a people. Um, yeah, there is... I do remember that there's, like, a lot of kind of, like, philosophical kind of wrestling about that because like dr manhattan's like i helped all these people and but i want to kill them all because we have to and like people like no don't do that yeah well you know there's the whole like the russians are afraid and they're threatening to nuke but they can't nuke because dr dr manhattan would just stop the nukes and then kill all the russians and really what's the point to any of that and that's kind of what dr manhattan's character is about because he realizes oh I know everything in the universe, and I'm just working for the people that are around right now. But really, it doesn't matter. I'm going to Mars. Goodbye. <laughs> he does go to Mars. He just he just leaves. Um, but the the idea is that the antagonist manufactures this threat, so it doesn't entirely matter if it's genetically manufactured giant alien squid things. And then he kills or nukes. And he kills Rorschach. He was my favorite character. Yeah. I, Even though Rorschach's just like insane, <laughs> he's just a well, crazy. Thing. Rorschach is, despite Owlman or Night Owl or whatever his name is, being in there and clearly being the Batman character, Rorschach is more of a Batman character. He's he's very Batman, and uh, except like if Batman killed people. So the idea of Rorschach is that he's he's the main protagonist. Like nobody else cares about the murder of the comedian. So Rorschach is the guy whose eyes we look through for the entire, the entire show, um, the movie or the comic book. Um, yeah. So that's why his death matters a lot because it made me mad. Like, yeah. Well, exactly. I saw it, like I got, I got upset. I was like, like why? He was the best character. Well, so the idea is that he said, "Okay, you can do this, but I'm going to tell the people who did this." And uh, the antagonist was like, oh, well, I can't have you do that because then they won't unify. Or if they will unify, they'll unify against me. And Rorschach's like, dude, if you need to do this, if you need to kill that many millions of people, go ahead. And he starts walking away because very clearly he's going to be the one to release it to the public why this has happened. And the bad guy can't let that happen because... You know, <laughs> he's <laughs> he's trying to create this non-human threat, and if he creates a human threat, then that kind of disables the point that he was trying to make. So Rorschach's death is needed in it, at least story-wise, for the bad guy to win. Doesn't he send like a his was it his diary or like a letter to like some random post office, like a newspaper or something like that at the end? He still did it because he thought he was going to die anyways, or at least he's that type of guy. But yeah, they, he had a dead man switch. Basically that 
Rorschach is just such a cool character. Like yeah, very Batman contingent. That movie is just really cool. All the music's in it really is really good too. Yes, I will say I don't like Zack Snyder that much. I don't really like anything he's ever made. Um, but I, I don't really know because I don't know exactly what he's made, and I haven't seen a lot of it. I've seen, I saw Batman versus Superman, and when I first saw it, I thought it was okay. And then the more yeah. I thought about it, the worse it got. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Zack Snyder, uh, let's just skip the DC stuff. Actually, except for Watchmen. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll put that one on there. 300, which has pretty good reviews, though it's so Zack Snyder. The guy just uses slow-mo too much. So every time there's something cool happening, and this is especially bad in Justice League, anytime something cool happens... So if that whole movie was slow-mo. in regular motion, it would probably be half as long in Justice League? It'd be League. half as long, yeah. Well, any just like us sitting here talking on the radio, looking at each other... All of a sudden, he would just throw slow-mo on me. <laughs> I'm not saying they're doing anything important. I'm just talking about Zack Snyder, but he's just the, the, he just does that. And you're he's like, a weird why? guy, man. <laughs> uh, so he's done pretty much all the Suicide Squad stuff, although he's been more... Or Suicide Squad, uh, DC Comics stuff. But he's been more of a uh, background guy for it. Uh, he did Legend of the Guardians, um, the what Owls of... Was it Kahul? What is what is Legend of the Guardians? Uh, that was is that the one with all the like with the Easter Bunny and like ah. no, that's Rise of the Guardians. I think. Yeah, so <laughs> Legend of the Guardians was a book series I listened to on audiobook as a kid, where it, it, it's kind of like the modern day um, uh, Watership Down, which is basically like really bloody, sad rabbits the, the dying. Rabbit, is it, this is the same thing with the owls. Yeah, pretty much. You know what? I think I. Oh my God! I I remember seeing a trailer for that like movie a long, long time ago. Twenty ten. I, <laughs> I was like, "What are these owls?" <laughs> yeah, it didn't go over well. You just dug that out of the memory banks. That's like that was deep in my basement. I swear. <laughs> uh, Three hundred Rise of an Empire, which also did not do very well. Uh, a lot of lot of DC stuff and. I feel yeah. kind of bad for him because I feel like some of it was him and a lot of other of it was just like the studio's like, we have to be Marvel, but dark. Well, that's why they hired him because his films are literally dark to the point where you just cannot see it. Like if you watch But now Marvel's doing that because like I saw Eternals. It was bad. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't bother sitting through that one. I didn't care about any of the characters. I didn't either. My friend wanted to go see it and I was like, ah, I'll go see it. <laughs> like if even we'll if it was see. bad I'll make like it's something cuz I remember like me and my friends like we went to go see The Dark Tower when it came out. Oh. And I kind of knew that it was wasn't going to be very good, but I was like, I don't know, it's going to come out soon and I just want something to just stave my like hunger. And the whole time we just like kind of made fun of it. We didn't really know what was going on. I don't remember any of that movie. Except we were just playing like a game of, we were playing telephone in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll tell you, both bad movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Dark Tower had a comic series, a graphic novel series, which was pretty okay. Um, there's a lot of really books. It was it. like, it, isn't it kind of like Dune, where there's just like a whole crap ton of books of it? It's like Stephen King's go-to baby, um, because whenever he's like, I wrote a book. I need to put it into the Dark Tower universe now and have the main character go there and make it like canon in my giant Marvel cinematic universe that I've created. And 
some of the stuff is cool, like uh, Randall Flagg from The Stand. He's kind of like the devil figure in there. Yeah. Um, actually, I think he is the devil or whatever. No, I totally just forgot that Matthew McConaughey played the man in black in The Dark Tower. Ugh. And that's saying something because I like Matthew McConaughey. What has he done recently? I don't know. I was going to say, I, uh, I don't think I've seen him around for a little while. Probably not since The Dark Tower. I've seen him in Lincoln commercials and Wild Turkey commercials. Ah, his career is dead then. I see. Poor guy. Oh, well, yeah, I like him. He's a good <laughs> actor. He's probably in some stuff. I just don't know about it off the top of my head. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking somebody like William Shatner. You know. What's he in? Com- Nothing. Commercials. Yeah, that's it. Like, once you, Jennifer Garner, once you hit commercials because you used to be a famous actor and now nobody, like, wants to watch your movies because you're too old or you that's look That's what happened to that one lady in, uh, it was like it was on SNL. I forget her name. Can't remember, but she's in, like, phone commercials now. <laughs> Don't remember her name. She was in that weird, like, Ghostbusters remake. That's all I know. Oh. She played the, the Egon counterpart. I can't remember her name. Uh, da, 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 da. No, 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 not, not Go- Ghostbusters Afterlife, the Ghostbusters 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jillian Holtzman, Abby Yates, Aaron Gilbert, and Patty Tolan. None of those names ring a bell. Yeah, I don't remember any of these people either. But hey, Chris Hemsworth. He, oh my God, he was in that movie. Yeah, he was the antagonist. No, he was just the. the he was just a, the, like the, the hot, hot secretary, the hot dummy gets, idiot guy. He gets possessed by a ghost and becomes the antagonist. What a stupid movie! <laughs> it did not have a good plot. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, though. Last uh, time I saw her was. Uh, I don't know. Finding Dory. I think she was the narrator, and she's like, this is Sigourney Weaver. Welcome to the aquarium. This is Sigourney Weaver. That's I, all I remember I from never Finding s- Dory I never, and the whales. I never saw Finding Dory. It I was, was okay. I was just kind of like, eh. It, it was just more of the same. Like, if you've seen Finding Nemo, you don't lose anything by watching Finding Dory, but also you don't gain anything by watching it. Like, it's just, it exists. It's kind of like Incredibles 2. Like, it doesn't expand the universe at all, but if you want to turn off your brain and watch a kid's show, that's fine. Like, Incredibles 1 had so much building and lore and plot to it, and then the second one was just kind of like, cool. It tried to do the same thing, but it was with just some random person. Oh. It's like, oh no, random lady is the bad guy. Oh, <laughs> poor Sigourney Weaver. She just she can't make it out of this stuff. So, uh, Alien, Aliens, um, Alien series. Just Sigourney Weaver's in there, um, which is fine because she's good. She's awesome in that Ghostbuster series. Once again, good. Oh Although, yeah, she played Dana. Yeah, and now she can't get out of it because she's she was in 2016. Now she's in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I don't know if that's good or not. I I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but uh, nothing. Poor, poor lady. And now she's still in Alien Five that's coming out. She's got the Avatar series that she's locked down to. Which, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. Avatar One exists. That came out in 2009, and uh, they've got four more planned. 
Oh boy, I can't of what, wait. What alien movies? Yeah, well, alien or, is... or Avatar, like James, Ca- like James Cameron Avatar. Yeah, there are a lot more alien movies that they have planned. But uh, why, man? The last one they came out with was terrible. Well, the last one was 2009. Was the first one. <laughs> wait, in the alien movies? No, 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 Avatar. Oh, I mean it's the same thing. They're both alien movies with Sigourney Weaver, but at least Alien in that series was genuinely good to mixed. But uh, someone said the other day, not Alien Covenant though. That movie was. <laughs> I, I stand. I maintain to this day that movie was just playing his flute. <laughs> I'll do the fingering. I, I can't believe Michael. Michael Fass- Fassbender with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Michael Fassbender kissing Michael Fassbender like. Somebody somebody wrote that, and like, <laughs> and Ridley Scott read that, and he was like, okay. And then this the director, and then the director saw that, <laughs> and was like, okay. They set up the scene, and it's like we're gonna do the scene where Michael Fassbender kisses Michael Fassbender. Are you? And Michael Fassbender read this scene, obviously, because he's an actor. He has to know his lines and his scenes. And he's just like, yeah, okay. And all these people saw this scene, from inception to filming to release to editing to release. <laughs> And they were okay with him kissing and himself. And all of these people that, <laughs> that that basically that changed hands with this, they were all okay with it. So the reason this is relevant <laughs> still, um, because Alien came out in 1979, uh, and Aliens came out in 1986, and then Resurrection came out in 97. So like Alien has been around for 50-something years. I just can't believe they're making more of the avatar movies because the first one i i don't remember any of it i watched it when it came out and i thought it was so lame it was bad <laughs> the, uh, and they want to make more well so it revolutionized blu-ray because blu-ray i heard the 3d though and the when they put it out in theaters was really cool but i never saw it in the theaters i know well i saw it in theaters i didn't see it in 3d because even when i saw the trailers for it when i was a kid i was like this movie looks stupid (laughs) (laughs) i mean so did everyone else but blu-ray it looked better than everything else at the time that's the thing though it wasn't a good series it didn't have good world building it wasn't interesting it just helped revolutionize the the weird ponytail thing yeah like the connecting ponytails allows them to like read each other's minds or something. That's a pretty inefficient way of doing a Vulcan mind meld. That's what I'm thinking. You just like, it's better to <laughs> put your hand on the person's temple and say, my mind to your mind. <laughs> yeah, our minds are one now. So uh, I'm looking at other things she's been in. Yikes. Vantage Point, <laughs> 2008. I like Vantage Point. But other than that, most of this stuff she's been in, I just uh, have not seen nor cared about. Monster Calls, Cabin in the Woods, both of those are good. I feel like a lot of these like actors and stuff, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like Rick Moranis, you know, like he's not in a lot of movies. It's not because he's like retired. It's just mostly because he's just very like cautious, like conscious about what he only acts in movies that he wants to be in. But the thing is, I guess a lot of scripts that go through his hands are just not good. Because <laughs> he was offered to be in the 2016 Ghostbusters, and all he said when they asked him why he didn't want to be in it, he just said, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Oh. It's like, I just, I like, and even 
I mean, I just wish Jack Nicholson was still in movies, but I think he's retired, and that makes me sad because he's one of my favorite actors. Like, everything that Jack Nicholson is in is just, it's amazing. I watched Mars Attacks recently. Uh, I've not watched that for a long time. I know. I watched it, like, for the first time in a decade, and it's just, it's, it's, the cast is stacked. It's got, like... You got Jack Nicholson playing the president and like a casino owner in Vegas. You have Jack Black is like a soldier boy kind of dude. And you have uh Martin Short and like Michael J. Fox and, and Tom <laughs> and Tom Jones. <laughs> and like <clears throat> who else, man? Oh my gosh. The last thing that I'm seeing Jack Nicholson has done was in twenty ten. He had a lot of stuff through the 70s to 90s era, but other than that, 2010 looks like it was the last thing. Because you got The Shining in 1980, Batman 1989, uh, Chinatown, A Few Good Men, Mars Attacks, uh, a lot of stuff in here. Even his early movies are really good, too, like One One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and like... uh, Yep. That the, one's really good. The I, Terror, the original Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. What's weird about the original Little Shop of Horrors is people just like, when you see it like kind of like marketed, it's like, oh, Jack Nicholson's in it, but he's only in it for one scene. He's just in the dentist scene because he's basically like, it's kind of funny because he's kind of like a like a masochist. Like, you know, he's like, oh, most some people are afraid to go to the dentist, but I really like it. And, you know, it's just like someone's like, it's like ah, and he's like, you, he's like, are you hurting? And he's like, no, 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 it's fine, keep going. But he's only in it for like two minutes. But like, it's just like, oh, Jack Nicholson, he's in the Little Shop of Horrors. He's barely in it. Wow. So if you go to watch it thinking he's gonna be in it, you're gonna be very disappointed. Because I know I was the first well, time. Well, and if I you go to watch it, it thinking it's gonna be a musical, remember. The musical one was 1989 or something. I like the original one because it's just really low budget and weird. <laughs> I like weird low budget movies. Depending on how they're like, there's this movie that the monkeys made. It's called Head. And it's just the weirdest movie you'll ever watch. And it's like the most un-monkeys like, thing ever. Like, they, you know the... You know the like the image from like Vietnam where I think it's like a Viet Cong spy and like they're shooting him in the head. They played the footage of that like throughout the movie and like you're watching it's like this is supposed to be the monkeys <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and it's like really kind of heavy at some parts. It's basically just the whole theme of the movie is they hate being the monkeys and they're tired of like being in this dumb fake band and they just want to be like serious like artists or whatever, but they have to keep going back into the box that is the monkeys. Yeah, here's the picture of uh Nguyen or Wen Von Lem. Him being shot in the head. What is that picture? It is, and they and then it's like it's also footage and they play it in the movie and it's like, whoa. <laughs> it's like and it's toward Man, the this is some heavy stuff. It is. Uh actually speaking of Vietnam 1975, the North Vietnamese enter Saigon, and the last group of Americans are evacuated by helicopter at the last minute from the roof of the embassy. War is over. War is over. If you want it. Uh, Next, we go off onto 
You've got the Apollo and the Soyuz spacecraft. They link up in space, making the cooperation between the U.S. and the Soviets. Bill Gates and Paul Allen. (laughs) Really, who is Paul Allen anymore? They found Microsoft. They found it. Uh, There's a little bit more in 1975. Communist forces complete the takeover of South Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Where did that just go? Oh, Jimmy Carter sets up his headquarters for his 1976 presidential race. The Sony's Betamax becomes the first commercially successful home video recording unit. And then it became a a running joke in sitcoms of the 80s about (laughs) nobody uses Betamax but the weird thing about Betamax was that it was more high quality and stuff than VHS except that it was just more expensive and that's why it fell by the wayside Copyright Act of 1976 makes sweeping changes uh, to United States copyright law oh yeah Um, because they show it at the beginning of all the movies exactly and that's actually where we get into 1976. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and Ronald Wayne found Apple. Uh, this is one year after Microsoft. Americans celebrate the bicentennial of the United States. The spirit of 76. Yes. A U.S. presidential election with Jimmy Carter elected president and Walter F. Mondale as the vice president. Never hear about that guy. Oh, my gosh. Um... The Viking 1 space probe successfully lands on Mars, followed by a second unmanned Viking 2 on the Utopia Plains on September 3rd. 29 people attending an American Legion convention in Philadelphia are killed by a mysterious ailment one year later discovered as bacterium. What? Uh, Bacterium? Yes. Like, is that the name of the of the I don't know what you call it the ailment so bacterium is bacteria I believe it's just that is the weirdest thing let's see if I can find a little bit more information on that cause that's like that's weird uh 1976 Ah, that's why. It was a Legionnaire's disease. Oh, I've heard of that name before. Yes. Actually, the hospital that I was born in, in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, had an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. Oh, that's not good. So that was that was fun and safe for my parents that why and they, me. They called it Legionnaire's disease because the American Legion guys, they were like, I guess, the first to get it and have it be known about. Uh, no, I, I think it's based off of the name of the bacteria itself. It's called Legionella. Oh. Um, it is not good for you. No, I mean, I It's imagine. found I mean, in fresh water. I mean, I gotta it, say, death is not the most best thing for you. <laughs> the most best thing. Yeah, you try to avoid death as much as you can. The reason Legionnaire's disease is bad um, is that since it's in fresh water, it can contaminate hot water tanks, hot tubs, cooling towers, air conditioners, anything that uses fresh water to keep us alive and around. So you can. So that stuff really can, really make a, 
really do some damage. Yeah, it, it lives <laughs> in mist. Um, and in mist. In mist. That is very well, like like fog. Not that type of fog. More of like the the air conditioner example. How it blows oh, out air if it gets yeah. into the air conditioner and infects it, and it blows out that type of air, it can kill you. Now that's that's scary. Um, it also contaminates water, uh, fresh water, like I said. Uh, it tends to kill older people. Fresh water has like a lot of really crazy little microbes that'll kill you. Like there's that, what's that one? There's like a brain eating amoeba or something. Oh yeah. The, uh, that, ha- that happened at like Disney river country. <laughs> there we go. Brain eating amoeba. What's it called? And it's like, and you can get it like just really easy and you don't know you got it until it's like too late. Yeah, the fatality rate is 97%. Only four that is out of scary, 145 man. known infected inv- individuals in the U.S. from 1962 to 2018 have survived. Like, that's how many? Four out of 145. Four? 97% fatality rate. Oh, my God. Four. The initial symptoms include headache, fever, nausea, and vomiting. And then later symptoms include stiff neck, confusion, lack of attention to people and surroundings, and loss of death. balance, seizures, hallucinations, death. This How is common terrible. is it? Uh, and like, it's just so easy to get. Like, you could just be like, you know, riding on a boat on a lake or something, and then like just a little splash will get up your nose or something like that, and then you're, you're just dead. and yep. you're dead. It's like rabies, man. The uh, there have been forty cases since two thousand six, roughly eight cases a year. That's terrible. We gotta do something about that. Uh, the states that have brain-eating amoeba are uh, lakes, rivers, hot springs in northern states, including Minnesota. Oh, better stay away from Minnesota. That's what I'm thinking. Well, northern states. Uh, oh, unless unless they mean northern, as in we're pretty northern. That's fair, but northern as in like Colorado, Dakota area, or northern <laughs> as in anywhere in the north from like Maine to Washington state. Yeah, northern is pretty vague. Yeah. And Especially is it a Canada issue, States. or is it just an America issue, or like, or is it just an Alaska? Yeah, well, exactly. Are we Midwest or are we North? I don't know. Even like, it's weird to call Ohio Midwest because we're more East. Whereas if you go toward like you know, kind of like Kansas and like Oklahoma and stuff, that's kind of Midwest. Yikes. This is so... It is such a low chance of you getting this, but still reading about it is... A high chance of dying. Exactly. Like, the thing I'm reading is, since it enters the body through the nose, it is critical to prevent water going up the nose. Do not, bolded, capitalized, allow water to go up your nose or sniff water into your nose when bathing, showering, washing your face, or swimming. 
in small, hard plastic slash blow up pools. Well, that's really comforting. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I don't know which is worse, like that or like, because it kind of reminds me like rabies in the sense that there's just no way of just doing anything about it once you have it. But like rabies is kind of scary because like, like you ever see like, I don't know, I fell down this rabbit hole where YouTube kept recommending me videos of animals walking around with rabies. And it's scary because, like, you know, you see, like, a deer and it's, like, stumbling around. It's, like, because usually when you see, like, deer, like, raccoons walking around, like, stumbling around in the daylight, that's not normal. No. And that means they have rabies. And that is, like, especially if you get it. Like, when I don't know what happens when people get it, but it I think it kind of, like, just, like, eats your brain. Just kind of, like, the brain-eating amoeba. And, like, it just kind of makes you just, like, literally not know what's going on you basically become kind of like a zombie the uh the anti-rabies shots that you have to take are really scary you gotta get them in your butt don't you well it might be that i heard it was stomach they just oh like, i think it's either that yeah that's the stomach four needles that they just like they stab it in your stomach they inject the first vaccine or whatever it is and then they do the next one and then the next one and but, the next one and it's just four but you got to get it like early on because like super early because if you don't know you because sometimes you you know like you can be out camping or something in a hammock and like a bat will bite you in your sleep and you won't realize it and then like weeks later you, you know you're dead it needs to be within the the doses go within day three seven and 14 of the initial contact of the first shot so, uh, oh, looks like they flipped it. These shots should be given in the deltoid muscle of the arm. You're supposed to... No more stomach. Oh, whoop, that's about dogs getting rabies. Yeah, so not fun. No. Absolutely not. Oof. Yikes. All right, not going down that rabbit hole today. 1976. Jimmy Carter is elected president. I've already said that. 1976. I've already said a lot of this stuff about 1976. This is a very boring year. Let's go to 1977. Yeah, that's where Star Wars comes out. That's right, Star Wars. And, hey, this is great. Elvis Presley is found dead. Sorry, not great. (laughs) What a... Oh, what a, what a sad thing. It's kind of sad to see what happened to Elvis in the end. He kind of, like, he went from being the king. He still was the king of rock and roll when he died, but, like, he kind of went downhill. It was pretty yikes. He went super downhill. He fell really fast. But even some of his stuff, like, from the early 70s, he's got some good songs. I think there's one song called, like, Thinking About You. It's a pretty good one. But, yeah, he really... Poor it's really guy. sad to see what happened to old Elvis. Also, Groucho Marx died too. He died like within a few days of Elvis, but nobody rem- but nobody knew because everyone was focused on Elvis. On Elvis, yeah. <laughs> Poor Groucho. Even what happened to Groucho in the end was really sad too. He kind of was like getting it, like people were taking advantage of him and stuff like that because he was old and stuff. And that sucks because I love Groucho. He's funny. The uh, scientists in 1975. These scientists. Wow. Uh, Report genetic engineering techniques, and they make insulin. 
That's good. Uh, President Jimmy Carter pardons Vietnam-era draft evaders. That's also good. Yes, or bad, depending on how you look at it. If you're a, if you're somebody who likes that or doesn't like that. Like um, that. Jimmy Carter is known for either being the best president or the worst president, put depending solar, on how you feel about the draft. Put solar panels on the White House. He did. And then Reagan took him down. Honestly, those are about the only two things I know about Jimmy Carter. Though I'm sure we're going to see a little bit more over the next two years. I don't uh, know anything about Jimmy Carter. I've heard people say he's either really good or he's the worst. Yeah, he's just, well, to me, he's just forgettable. I don't know anything about him other than those two things. I was going to say, those are the two things he's been remembered for. And that's yeah. about that's about it. When I think Jimmy Carter, I, I don't remember anything else besides I think solar pardoning panels. draft dodgers and solar panels. Look, I, I appreciate the draft dodging thing because... I know I probably would have dodged the Oh, draft. I definitely would have too. But I would have just, I would have been one of those guys that would be like, yeah, I'm going to burn my draft card on the steps of City Hall. Take me to jail. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's like Muhammad Ali said, you know, Viet Cong never did nothing to me. Why would I go and kill somebody? I don't know. Well, and I, I'm just anti, well, I wouldn't say anti military, but like I'm anti draft really anti-draft so the not, idea I'm, i mean of i'm not really forced to go fight for a country that doesn't care about me why yeah why it's would also I just like that? i don't it's like it's i'm not really anti-military I'm just just kind of like an anti-violence kind of thing because like i don't i don't want to kill people that personally have never that i don't know and have never done anything to me like i would never really want to kill anybody but unless like they were trying to kill me and they yeah a killer be killed situation i but think most people would i would never themselves. i would never want to go kill people just because somebody told me that i had to do it well and the worst thing is vietnam was completely useless well, yeah that too like it, it, this is awful but pretty much everything that happened there meant nothing to and the grand it, world and i don't want to have to go across seas to kill a bunch of people that i don't know and also risk you know and like you go there and you know that there's a very high chance that you're not going to come home yeah well and the way you're going to die flamethrower shot through the head like just like, ridiculous things <clears throat> what's the point vietnam was so and the korean war was eh but like it's it was really just america saying hey communists are not allowed yeah and that's it like there was nothing else to vietnam that benefited anyone not the no. vietnamese not the americans not the government like it was just simply to say we it's don't like, like Russia. It's sad to see, you know. It's like because like it's kind of like I don't know if you've seen Apocalypse Now. Not for a very long time. But you know, it's like it's kind of like there's like, I mean, it's not the most accurate, but it's it kind of is. It isn't. It isn't because like there's kind of a dynamic. There's like a there's different kinds of people, you know. There's like you got the kids that are there. You know, a lot of them are just kids, and you know they're writing letters to their girl or their parents and their parents want them to come home and stuff like that and like and also you got other people there that just thrive on it like martin you know that or that's just all that violence in that environment is all they know like martin sheen or the other or the what's his name sergeant kilgore or something like that the guy was like i love the smell of napalm in the morning yeah <laughs> and like it's like, you know, not everybody's like that that just wants to thrive on just, like, stay there forever. And, just, uh, and then some of them, you know, they're just kids. 
It's the, like, the type of people who blindly follow their country and are willing to just genocide an entire people just simply because America told them the, to the or Russia told them and, to. And the government totally hustled them. They were just like, hey. It's like they basically just took all these kids, rounded them up, and they're like, go over. Go <laughs> it over worked in World War II. Hopefully it works now. <laughs> go overseas and go play soldier. And a lot of kids are like, yeah, I'm going to fight for my country and be honorable. And then they go and play soldier, and then they see what it's like to be a soldier, and it's not all glitz and glamour. Well, it's it's because we started to televise stuff. A lot of those parents from the 40s were still very... They didn't know what was going on out there, but then in the 60s, they were televising Vietnam, and then they saw what was going on out exactly. there. Exactly. And a lot of those parents had lived World War II, so they didn't want that stuff happening. Oh, like, yeah. they were okay with the war in America and were fine with the military but they didn't want their sons going off to fight there because they they as a you know 15 16 year old would sign up pretending to be 18 would be like yeah we're going to go beat the nazis and then they get there and they see somebody's head blown off and they're like whoa yeah they they see their they see their best friend get like killed in front of them so why would you want your sons to go off and do the exact same thing in vietnam like it, no, it, it, it wouldn't. It goes, it goes way far back. Even like in the Civil War, there were like fourteen-year-old kids going out and fighting. Yeah, you had the drummer boys that would, you know, you're not supposed to kill them, but and some. Ugh. I mean, yeah, there was not even the drummer boys. There were kids that would just like they would dress up, you know, they would, they would, they would fake because all you need was a piece of like they would just hand a piece of paper. It's like, look, this is a piece of paper saying I am eighteen. But they're like, <laughs> they're like tw- oh, seems okay to me. But they're like twelve or like fifteen or something like that. They're going out and they're fighting, you know, and they're getting killed. And it's like, it's like. Child soldiers have never been good for society. It goes way back. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's the American Civil War, you know, Africa. Um, it probably goes back further than the Civil War. That's just the that's oh. just the earliest example that I can think of off the top of my head. Well, so Civil War, definitely. And before that, I can think of child soldiers in Rome. Uh, oh yeah, I can think of them across Europe. Well, they raised the like Spartans. Like if their kid didn't look like he grew up, he's gonna be a soldier. They throw him off a freaking cliff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just like ah, oh, well, you know, this guy, this baby. Like, I was a fat baby. Like, I would have been thrown off a cliff. I, I don't. You know, I pro. I want to say that I probably would have too. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of a big baby, though. I don't, I don't know if I was fat or not. I don't know what I looked like. Humanity's know. weird, man. It is. <laughs> There's literally societies that just raise their children to just go and kill. Or die. Or die. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got the uh, the Ottomans and like the Botswanans. I think, I'd say, like, the Spartans are probably, like, the ones that really come off, like, that I can think of. Just, like, they literally just raise their children to just be warriors and then like after that they would just be old yeah and they wouldn't even live that long anyway even with being old they would just be warrior old people at that point like (laughs) i don't even know if they'd still fight but they'd still be like oh yeah i'm gonna teach you how to be a warrior it's like wow oh okay (laughs) (laughs) i've never all right gramps it's really fascinating just there's whole there's been whole societies Throughout the world, throughout history, that are just, just designed it, to die. Entirely just intrinsically based upon combat. 
That's what, the only... what are you guys doing today? Oh, us? We're playing capture the flag, and whatever team loses gets their heads chopped off. What? That's pretty much what? it. <laughs> Why? Maybe we'll get to that point. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to that point. Who, Who knows? knows? Maybe we'll just get so bored during the pandemic and all the lockdowns that happen, and we'll just be like, you know what? We're just... We're just going to go ahead and start raising our kids. Instead of sending them to public school, we're going to send them to military academies and then hand them, like, a machine gun and a rocket launcher and see what happens when we throw them into, like, a football <laughs> oh. arena. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what? That's something that probably could happen. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't put it past America. I mean, I not like, even America, just anywhere. I oh, feel the like, world, yes. I wouldn't put it past the world. If you just if you push people in the right direction, that can easily happen. Just It just takes a little push. It could be from a person. It could be from a situation. But that, it's was, just, a, that was a joker quote at some point. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone's no, it mad. Is. They just need a little <laughs> bit of a push or something. Oh, my God. I'm turning Maybe into, the joker wasn't wrong. <laughs> I mean, he is right, though, because, like, for any kind of crazy thing to happen, it just takes one small, like, it's like the butterfly effect. Or the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's always some little thing or, like, just some innocuous-seeming thing, but it's not. (sighs) In the end, in hindsight, it's not, but at the time, it's just, like, that's just a thing that happens. Now we're going to do this stuff. Where were we at? We were in 1977, right? Yeah, I. You just said in the end, and I was like, in the end, nothing really matters. Uh, in 1977, uh, nuclear proliferation pact that curbs the spread of nuclear weapons. It's signed by 15 countries, including the U.S. and the USSR. New York City blackout results in a massive looting and disorderly conduct during its 25-hour duration. That sounds literally horrifying. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to be around at that time. Especially, like, in 1970s New York just sounds like the most terrifying place. Like, you know, like, you ever ever seen Taxi Driver? Uh, let me pull up the... Because, like... I don't know. New York, just like in the seventies, just a, literally a concrete jungle. I have not seen Taxi Driver. It's a really good movie. Although, uh, like, the main character is like he, you know, he's kind of like unstable and stuff. And a whatnot. bit of a butt munch. Not really a butt munch. He's just like incredibly maladjusted, and he's got a lot of issues upstairs, but. He's basically not a guy you're supposed to relate to, but yet, when like the first few times I watched it, I was like, I can kind of relate to this guy. But until like a couple years later, I watched it again, and I was like, and I was horrified because I was like, man, I must have been like in a really bad place because like this guy is like completely just like. A nutball. <laughs> like, I'm like, I can't believe I related to this guy somewhat. I mean, you, no, no. You're well, not. that's how growing up works. I mean, 
you, yeah. you look at the character like the evil stepmother or the evil parents or whatever that are like no you can't have fun you're not allowed to go out and you're siding with the kid you rewatch the movie as a kid and you're like oh my god these parents or the stepmother or whoever it is the the adult in this situation they were kind of in the right they were in the right they were they were just simply trying to keep the kid alive or stop whatever bad happens in the story to the yeah. kid from happening like I, the best example is we all grow up as SpongeBob, and then by the time we hit adulthood, we're all Squidwards. I think I'm still kind of SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> like, like especially I've kind of no, like I heard people talk about that like recently, and then I was like, "Am I a Squidward?" And I was like, I kind of thought about like just like how I am at work and stuff. It's like, no, I'm like 100% a SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a. I, I am a very strange combination of every character. I'd I can say 10% I can of each. I have my Squidward moments, but for the most part, I try to be just like, you know, if you're in a crappy situation, you gotta make the most of it. You gotta have fun. You can't just be like, I. I mean, sometimes I am like, I hate this job and this job sucks, but still like, at least I'm not fighting in Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So That's speaking very true. of fun and happiness, uh, 1977, since we just saw Microsoft and Apple get made in the 70s, uh, this is a really great time. You have Star Wars, you have the Commodore Pet, and you also have the release of the Atari 2600. Yeah! So it's a whole bunch of like strives for technology, video Atari games, 20- entertainment. Atari 2600, I have one. And I love you do? It. I do. Ooh. I got it like a long time ago when I was like 12 or something. Because like, you know, most people wanted Xboxes. I was a weird kid. I wanted an NES and I wanted an Atari. And I got both of them. The... I love Atari. They're the such... Atari has a micro, uh, Microsoft microprocessor. Um, and it has swappable ROM cartridges. I'm sure most people who listen to this show have probably heard of a ROM, if not the Atari 2600 itself. There were a lot of, uh, there were some home consoles, but they're mostly like Pong consoles, like really. But that one was one of the, that one was one of the ones that really broke through. That was like, whoa, this is awesome. It's the Atari 2600. There's a lot of fun games on there. It lasted for a long time too it did that like 1977 to 1990 that is a really long lifespan for a i know there for that's, gaming console that's just how awesome it is i still like i love atari games they're just wow. there's a charm to how simple they are well so atari games um you've got stuff like space invaders You've got stuff like Asteroids. Asteroids. Pac-Man. And, of course, the most famous Atari game of all time, E.T. <laughs> don't, do Atari, don't, don't do them like that. Come on. Not with that one. <laughs> the, uh, for those of you who don't know the story of the Atari E.T., uh, basically it was a game that was so buggy and bad that nobody knew it nobody with it yeah nobody knew how to play it uh, nobody knew how to play it they ended up burying it off in the desert they, and trying it, to burn it or something they, and yeah they buried them in a few years in ago. like the new mexico desert they buried a whole bunch from in a landfill but this was like alleged for the longest time and then sure enough they dug it up and i'll i'll be darned if there actually were atari <laughs> et games buried out there it was howard scott warshaw but he um, was like 
but he was he kind of was uh he i mean he he really oh, he tried what it. he i'm sorry yeah he made it he really tried like he really went through a lot of effort to make it and it's kind of fascinating to hear about it he also made one that was of uh raiders of the lost ark which is another really kind of convoluted game yeah. on the atari like you need two controllers to play raiders of the lost ark and it's just really like it wasn't good <laughs> But, you know, it was kind of like a lot of like really like weird puzzle, like secret stuff. But I I appreciate his ambition because like during that time, there were like only a few people in the world that knew how to program games on the Atari 2600 because it's just like it's just it was a lot. And in or- not only that, but it was re- there were very few people that knew how to do that and make a good game. So, like, I got to say, he was pretty ambitious for, like, the early 80s and, like, the late 70s. So, the... My respect goes to Howard Scott Warshaw, I got to say. <laughs> 1983 in September, uh, a truck with, I believe it was 728,000 Atari games goes to a landfill and buries and crushes them. And <laughs> the Atari officials give really, like... <laughs> back and forth reports on whether or not that actually happened which is what caused all of the speculation um and they thought that most of the unsold copies of et were buried in the landfill and they were right and wrong at the same time there were a lot of other games exactly it wasn't just et but there were i mean then again there were a lot of et games out in the world so there was probably a lot of et cartridges buried too if you go to any used video game store, you will probably find a copy of E.T. <laughs> and that's like that's actually a guarantee because almost every used video game store that sells Atari games, they almost always have at least one copy of E.T. because nobody wants it. In 2006, Dennis Debro disassembled E.T., added comments to the generated source code, and then re-released it for free. In 2013... Uh, programmer David Richardson released several unofficial fixes for the game. Patches included the removal of pixel-perfect collision detection, uh, which caused E.T. to fall into the pit. And for people who know about the pit, basically when E.T. would collide with, I believe it was walls or really anything where he would collide, he would get shot down into a hole. If he barely touched a hole, he'd fall down. Exactly. And... It seems as th- you might, you know, honestly, let's see. Oh, Google, E.T. Atari game free You're about to play download. the game. <laughs> You're not about to play the game right now. I'm not going to play it right now. Yep, there you go. Uh, I don't know if these are pirated or not, so I'm not going to recommend doing this. I would need to figure out if these are, are legally, illegal or not. We are legally not allowed to as men on the radio. Um, but it's out there. Oh yeah, I I would assume it's still free because the article didn't talk about it. Not like a business like Atari or Activision swooping in and just eating it up. But I don't know. I don't know. Atari has a lot of oh Atari. really <laughs> really interesting library. Not even. Because, you know, there were a lot of third-party companies that made them. Because this wasn't like, you know, you can, where you have to have a license to make a, you know, has to be a licensed game for that console. This time, like, anybody could make a game for the Atari. And 
this was a double-edged sword. Sometimes you'd have pretty cool games. Sometimes you'd have really bad games. Sometimes people made pornographic games. <laughs> the, uh. Sometimes people made um, games of horror movies. There was one company that made a movie, two games, one based off of Halloween and one off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I think I remember the... Uh... Do you remember from Angry Video Game Nerd? Halloween... Atari... It was really controversial, both of them, because it was like, these are very violent games. But when you look at what the games look like, this is like, wow, in 1983, this was violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 here it is. I actually, they they you, walk around on like... I actually have a copy of of Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the Atari 2600. I just had to get my hands on it. How much did that put you back? I think it was like... 40 bucks. Oh, okay. That's not bad at all. I thought those were a lot rarer. Yeah. But it's funny because I guess like the, the, um, the company, like at one point they were, uh, they didn't have money. They were going like bankrupt some, so they were liquidating their inventory. So to minimize costs, sometimes they would just put like a piece of tape or like a label and just write the name of the game in Sharpie. <laughs> and that's what my copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. It's just some guy from the 70s who it's wrote just it and was paper, like, there you go. It's a paper sticker label. It just says <laughs> I'm sorry. I just freaking slammed the table. Created I heard that one. Created a universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 1978. Wow. I don't know what that is. 19, I'm going to skip that. 1978. 1978. The Senate votes to turn the Panama Canal over to a Panamanian, Panama, Panamanian control on December 31st, 1999. What? Uh? Uh? Senate votes to control. Why is this in 1978? I don't know what happens half the time. 1978. Supervisor Harvey Milk and Mayor George Moscone are assassinated by Dan White in San Francisco on November 27th. Three Mile Island nuclear accident occurs. America's most catastrophic nuclear power plant accident in history. The inspiration for London Calling. Yep. I love the clash. The iron hostage crisis begins. Er, iron. Iran. I was going to say I'm like iron. The Iran hostage crisis begins. Uh, in the aftermath, a second energy crisis develops, tripling a second one. the price of oil and sending U.S. gasoline prices over $1 per gallon for the first time. I wish it was over $1 per gallon right now. There was a, I looked at a picture today um, of the meme that's, this is why I hate video games. It appeals to the male fantasy, and it's a video game character uh, I think it was Alan Wake standing in front of a gas station, and it said, "Unleaded, one dollar and five cents," <laughs> and it was just all the gas <laughs> prices below a dollar and twenty cents. Men oh, only want one thing, and it's disgusting. Low <laughs> gas prices. Nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, in one of the first articles on the first on the subject of human cloning, the New York Post prints an article on the book The Cloning of Man, which supposes the cloning of a human being. Cloning has been very uh 
very complex. Very complex and very the controversial. The sheep. Dolly. Yes, Dolly the sheep. United States Senate's... Oh, yeah, Panama Canal. I already said that. Um, Egypt, Egypt's, Egypt's president, Anwar Sadat, and Israeli prime or premier... Is he a premier or prime minister? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, Medichem Begin, Begin, I don't know, sign a framework for peace after meeting for 13 days with Jimmy Carter at Camp David. Later, they win the Nobel Peace Prize. Awesome. Good on Jimmy Carter for doing something and not just existing because we've now, we are two years into his presidency and this is the first thing that's mentioned about him since uh, draft dodging. That's good. <laughs> um... Also in 1978, one of the most successful independent horror movies, John Carpenter's Halloween. I was about to say Halloween. Oh, oh. I love that movie. It's it's so weird that we're starting to get into like the really good movies in their release dates after spending so many episodes going through just movies that are good, but like most people probably have not seen or heard of. And now we're getting into the crowd pleasers. Uh, So in 1978, Californians vote um, in referendum. In the referendum known as Proposition 13, and they cut their property taxes by 60%. This sets a stage for a budget crisis. Yay! I love those. (laughs) Those are my favorite. Oh, here's a fun one. Another one? Jim Jones. Oh, my God. Not him. Uh, so if you ever heard about the uh, Jim Jones is the drink the Kool-Aid guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So You're right. The people's temple. If you've ever heard the don't drink the Kool-Aid expression, basically he created a cult. That's when Jonestown happened was in 78? Yeah. That's when all that, I thought it happened in like the 80s. Don't quote me on that yet. Uh, that's yeah, one of the, You know, I'm just going to pull up the Wikipedia article for Jonestown. That's one of the worst thing, like, in, I don't know, cults? It was the largest mass suicide. Cults are just one of the, it's one of those weird things that just like, it fascinates me. Just like the mentality of just and how the like the program like the mental like programming and stuff that that goes on in it and like all these people they fall and then eventually you get them so indoctrinated into your dogma that you can make them do whatever you want, including kill themselves, which is exactly like, what happened. Yeah. So the People's Temple Agricultural Project, better known as Jonestown. Uh, was a remote settlement in Guyana. 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 Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was just a shot in the dark. Um, established by the People's Temple, a San Re- San Francisco-based cult under the leadership of Jim Jones, uh, and they've got a picture here. It's and there's an audio recording of like the when, you know, all the stuff's going down, and it's like. And it's really disturbing because you can hear all these people in the background like screaming and like you can hear children crying and like and meanwhile Jim Jones is up there and he's like oh yes this is he's got a lisp 
<laughs> which makes it like kind of funny, but it's like really dark. It's like he's basically just saying like, oh, this is the part of life. It's like and whatever death is a part. I'm like, I'm just like this guy is and and like they were shooting people like when people were trying to flee like to the airstrip to get out of there. Yep. They would they'd be gunned down. It's like if basically it's like you drink this Kool-Aid with cyanide in it or something or we're going to kill you. So it's just like. I mean, I think a few people got away because there are some survivors, but it's just like, oh man, it's it's like it's really, really, it's hard to swallow some of it. Ha ha, dark humor. Well, November I, I, I didn't mean it like that. Nineteen seventy-eight. A total of nine hundred and nine people died at the settlement. Um, Wait, nine hundred? Nine hundred and nine. Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, I thought it was like 250. Nope. <laughs> oh, the, uh, my That's God. why it's the largest mass suicide. Uh, 909 people at the nearby airstrip in Port Kaituma. That is Which is, unreal. I'm looking at a map. Jonestown and Port Kaituma are that very is, close to each other. That is honestly, like, completely unreal. I did not know it was that many people. So the name of the settlement became synonymous uh, with the incidents that would happen at Georgetown, which is the capital of Guyana. Or Guyana. Guyana, thank you. Um, and then you've got Port Kaituma and Jonestown itself. So in total, 918 individuals died. Um, I believe nine of those were from being shot. All but two... Oh, there we go. All but two from apparent cyanide poisoning. Um, a significant number of people were injected against their will. Yeah. Uh, in an event termed Revolutionary Suicide by Jones and some People's Temple members on an audio tape of the event and in prior recorded discussion. The poisonings in Jonestown followed the murder of five others by Temple members at Port Kaituma, including United States Congressman Leo Ryan, an act that Jones ordered uh four other temple members committed uh murder suicide in georgetown at jones's command also it's terrible the terms used to describe what happens have changed a lot over time um from mass suicide to mass murder suicide to massacre or simply a mass murder um that's a massacre. 70 or more people were injected uh, against their will. And a, a third of, of the victims, 304 of the victims were minors. Oh, my God. Guards armed with guns and crossbows had been ordered to shoot those who fled the Jonestown Pavilion as Jones lobbied for the death. What a absolutely terrible thing. It's horrifying. It's uh, horrifying. Honestly, we could do an entire episode on Jonestown Massacre, and many people have, but basically... Absolutely just... Terrible. Reprehensible. The uh, Georgetown, which was the capital and slightly south of Jonestown, um, there was a radio communication between the people in Georgetown and the people in Jonestown, uh, which, during the radio communication, the people in Jonestown, Jones... Uh, told the people 
to take revenge on the temple's enemies and then commit revolutionary suicide. Later, after the police arrived at the headquarters, um, Sharon, I don't know who Sharon is. I think I'm a, yeah. Sharon escorted, escorted her children, Lianne, Leanne, uh, Krista, 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 and Martin, I'm going to say that one, uh, into a bathroom. Wielding a kitchen knife, Sharon first killed Krista, who was 11, uh, and then Martin, who was 10. Then Leanne assisted Sharon in killing herself with the knife, after which she, uh, Leanne was a 21-year-old, was her 21-year-old daughter, who helped her kill her mom and then herself. And they were all found dead at the temple headquarters. And uh, there was just a bunch of people who were trying to stop it from happening. Stefan, Tim, and Jim Jr. were all trying to stop it from happening. Um, Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. It's like stuff really makes... Just really, really just... It's incredibly disquieting just the things that... Like I've said, I've probably said this a million times on this show. Just the things that humans are that, yeah. that they do to other people. So, Stefan and Jim Junior, Jim Jones Junior, they were away from what was happening. Um, and in 2018, they said to ABC, "Stefan and I are a paradox. Stefan is a natural son." adopted into the family of uh, mixed races. He wasn't unique because he was a natural son. Um, In some ways, people would say, I was more unique because I was the black son and given his name. And that was from Jim Jr. on 2018. Uh, He and Stefan both have spent their entire lives absolutely disgusted and appalled and trying to fix or at least try and right any of the wrongs that had happened um, with Jim Jones because they were against it and that's why they showed up that day and found that family dead um, because they 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 were gone and they didn't want that to happen it was ridiculous um, they happened to be away that day um, and they're just Still, they're still trying to atone for their father's sins. Jim Jones Jr. is 50, 61 now, 60. Um, and then Stefan is 63 or 64. And they're just, yeah, poor guys. So, yeah, 1978, not a great year. No. Uh, 70s are very... It's just, we said it last episode, the 70s are awful. They're just so sad and depressing, and there's just nothing good from them. It's so sad. Um, so, 1979, we start, we start off with the Iran uh, crisis that was happening, the hostage oh, crisis. Argo? Yep. I honestly thought that was really fascinating that whole situation where they just were like this dude was really trying to make a movie 
And then they're just like, we're going to use this as a front to go rescue these people. Meanwhile, this guy's like, I, I did want to make this movie, though. <laughs> well, like, I think to this day, like, the guy, like, wrote the movie. He was like, he's still kind of upset. It's like, I wanted to make that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I think that happens a year later or two years later, something like that. Uh, or no, I guess that has to happen in 79 because the hostage crisis. I don't know. Um. Three Mile Island, uh, Pennsylvania, a nuclear power plant just about melts down, uh, but it does release radiation into the atmosphere. No bueno. Margaret Thatcher, a conservative, becomes uh. the first woman prime minister of Britain. Saddam Hussein becomes president of Iraq. Um, Pink Floyd, the wall. The wall. Whoops. Oh, no. Wrong button. What a fantastic album. You know how that album started? With the giant wall being torn down, right? Uh, Roger Waters, he spat in a fan's face. <laughs> and that's how the inception of that album came out. Ouch. I know. Uh, Iranian militants seize the U.S. Embassy in Tehran and hold hostages. So, there's your uh, follow-up to the hostage crisis. That is where Fargo happens. Argo. Uh, Fargo. Fargo is the... Fargo, yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> yeah. I, you know... It takes place in, I don't know if it's North or South Dakota, one of the Dakotas. Yeah, and it's like the murder mystery or serial killer or something. Yeah, the uh, the Coen Brothers movie. Uh, in December, Soviet troops invade Afghanistan to prop up a communist leader. Oh, boy. Mm. Uh... The Chrysler bailout is approved by the federal government, which is $1.5 billion loan guarantee plan, um, and it is given to the third largest car maker, which is Chrysler in the United States, that is. Chrysler. Yeah. The cars suck. (laughs) The Sugar Gang Hill... Sugar Hill Gang? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I read that wrong. Rappers. Releases Rapper's Delight. Hotel. The first. Motel. Holiday in. First major hip-hop song. Uh, the hip-hop music movement occurred in the early 1970s and eventually evolved over time until. I think the first. Um, I don't know what it was. It was this. Uh, it was a party somewhere in this apartment block complex building and basically what it was was um they would uh you know have these djs with their turntables and and a lot of like old funk and r&b songs you know it's like james brown would say you know you got to give the drummer some so there's these drum breaks and so they would play these instrumental breaks and they would like kind of loop them by kind of like lifting the needle and like kind of like screwing around with it. I forget what the term is called. I did know it at one point. I cannot remember now much to my disdain to myself for forgetting. But uh yeah, it's just pretty much just like it evolved from these people playing these these drum breaks and stuff and then eventually people started talking over them and rapping over them and then you know, like one thing comes after the other, and actually, the rap thing started with Rudy Ray Moore. It goes back a long way, like Gil Scott Heron. 
and Rudy Ray Moore. But Rudy Ray Moore was like a he was a comedian, and he would basically I can't say any of it because it's all bad words. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he made a movie. He had a character called Dolomite, and basically Dolomite is just this bad mamajama dude, and he's like a pimp or something. And they make a movie, this low-budget masterpiece called Dolomite. They made a movie about the making of it with Eddie Murphy called Dolomite Is My Name. It's on Netflix. <laughs> but the movie, I watched, I actually did watch Dolomite recently, the, like the actual movie from the 70s. It's it's a masterpiece and low-budget. It's so funny because, like, in most shots, you can see the, you can see the boom mic. There's one scene where you can see a doodle. <laughs> like there his microphone's coming from the top. <laughs> There's one scene you can see a dude holding the microphone up in the bottom left corner. <laughs> and like they try to move the, he tries to move out of the way, but you still see the entire microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I hate to oh. cut us a little bit short. But we're coming up on time. Oh, man. So that's the 1970s. I can't wait to get into the 80s because at least the 70s are depressing. <laughs> Even the, I mean, the 80s. 80s, yeah. The 80s get weird. Too. The 80s get weird. The 80s are very strange. Hippie movement number two. I No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of weird and strange. Not, not, not the hippie movement. There, there's no hippies in the 80s. That's where things get corporate and all the movies are very hit or miss. Yep. Like It's like Quentin Tarantino. So he's like, yeah, probably the two worst times in history for movies were the 50s and the 80s. <laughs> that was like, and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Oh, definitely the 50s. I can agree with that. I don't know if I agree with the 80s, but to be fair, I think I got to look through a lot of 80s stuff. I mean, they... a lot of 80s movies are very silly, but there are some that I really like, like Purple Rain. Aliens. That's a good movie, Aliens. And then there's some that are really goofy, like Tango and Cash. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> the most, the quintessential 80s buddy cop movie and I'll and I'll just I'll just sum it up why just right now just one sentence. At the end, they jump away from an explosion, and they high five, and freeze frame. Ah, classic eighties. <laughs> you just named about fifty different movies. And also, <laughs> the stars: Kurt Russell. Oh, and yes. Sylvester Stallone. Yes. <laughs> what a wonderful combination of wonderful people. It is an it is awesome. Literally it it, it is it is definitely something to behold. <laughs> All righty, you've been listening to Retrospection Radio Hour. This was the 1970s part 2, 1975 to 1979. Join us next week at Monday 3 p.m. For the nineteen the nineteen eighties. Uh, the 1980s. Don't forget, if you happen to miss these episodes, you can actually listen to it on retrospectionradio.com uh, about one week after the airing of the episodes. I have been Noah. And I have been Nate. You're listening to 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card. And we'll see you on the flip side. We'll see you in the 80s, the MTV generation. Let's go.